This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook, Volume 2, and today is August 3rd, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Yeah, Todd Ant, uh, 1977 to 1981. Welcome back, Todd. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. No worries. Glad to do it. I, I you know, I, I wasn't sure anybody listened the first time. I don't know, you know, I don't know if you wanted to do this again, but I'm, I'm happy to do it. I love, uh, I love talking. So absolutely. Uh, <laughs> All right. Um, so remind us from the first conversation, what were the titles or positions that you had at the station? You know, so I was the, I was the sports director, um, and, and I became the sports director my senior year. Um, and really that was the only position I had. I had done other jobs as, as a lot, all of us did at, uh, WVHC and now RHU, but, uh, but as far as a title, the sports director, my senior year. So, uh, you know, thinking about it now, it makes a hundred percent sense for you to be the sports director of the station. But at the time, was that something that, that you assumed was going to happen or was it something that you were going for? What was your motivation for going for that job? So when I got there, I quickly learned, you know, most of the upper class men and women were, were, were usually had titles. I mean, some of the really good ones might've been uh, directors in their sophomore, junior years, but there was always somebody ahead of me in the sports department. So you know, over the, over the first two, three years, I realized, okay, you know, I'm not going to be the sports director because there are already guys ahead of me. Um, so I was thinking probably my senior year. And I, I, I talked to Jeff Krause about that and, uh, talked to the previous sports directors and it was pretty much a given, you know, let's look, you know, when you, when you look back, I mean, we, we didn't have a lot of competition. It wasn't Syracuse Newhouse school. It wasn't, you know, Fordham. At Hofstra, it was a little bit different, you know, and I and probably good for me because um, it, it had a clear path to get there. Now, maybe I could also say it would have been nice to have more competition. Maybe it would have sharpened me up a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, by the time I, I got to my senior year, I don't think there was any type of voting. I really honestly, Brian, I don't remember, but I, I'm pretty sure everybody knew and I knew that I would be the sports director my senior year. And yes, that was... By the time my, my by the time I became a junior, I was always I was already gearing myself up uh, to be the sports director on my final my final stretch there. So yeah, I was looking forward to it. I was excited about it, happy to get it, and um, you know did did whatever I had to, like in the previous uh, administration, so to speak, uh, to, to get the job done and do the right thing and and keep the keep the torch going and hand that off to the next group. So who were the guys who were the sports director before you? Who did you learn from? So the, when I got there as a freshman in, in the in September of 1977, uh, Bruce Farber was the sports director, the sports director, and Mark Ruckhouse was the assistant. And I might have mentioned this story to you uh, the first time we talked a couple of years ago. I'll say it again. And when I when I got there, I walked into the office. There are three people there: Bruce, Mark, and Jeff Krause. And I walked up past those two. And I went up because Jeff's office was, uh, his, his desk was straight in the back against the wall. And uh, he looked like he was in charge. So mm-hmm. I said, oh, maybe I'll check with this guy. And I think I said, hey, I'd like to you know speak to someone in the sports department. And he might've looked up, might not, and said, over there. And I saw those two guys, Bruce and, and, uh, and Mark. And I walked over there. And struck up a conversation, told them what I wanted to be in sports. And they said, okay, you busy Saturday. This was like on a Monday. I said, no, come down, got a football game. We'll give you a mic. You can go on the field and talk to the players. And that was it. So 
um, those were the first two guys when I got there. The next couple of years, it was Steve Silverman, who was the sports director, Scott Cinnamon, uh, who eventually became the sports director. Uh, so those guys were the sports guys around me. And then when I, my senior year, I do I remember Barry Lane uh, was, was in the sports department with me. He did he did games with me. Mike Harrison did a lot of games with me. Uh, we we had a lot of different guys helping out back then. Uh, you know, Martin Gigi, who is now a film director, he mm-hmm. he he did a couple of games with us. And Sal Licurdo, I'm and I and I listened to your interview with Sal. It was so wonderful to hear his voice again. Um, I'm going to try and reach out to him. I might have reached out to him on Facebook, but Sal was my color announcer uh, for football games. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a lot of fun. I just wanted to get that in there because I didn't want to think I forgot about him. But yeah, he was my my main guy for football. And if I forgot anybody, I'm sorry. You know, m- the brain cells are getting thinner as we get on in the years. But, you know, those were mostly the sports guys that, that uh, I got to know over the four years. That's a that's a pretty good crew of guys there. Those are some it good is. names. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, you know, today at the radio station at WRHU, the the sports department and what those guys do, it's a, it's a huge operation. There's so many people involved, and they're doing Islanders games and undergrad stuff. Um, so it's a real big complex machine. What were your responsibilities like at the time as sports director? Well, I think my my senior year, it was mostly to take care of. The games, the play-by-play games, you know, who is going to do the games, you know, where we're traveling, uh, the home games, uh, the, the, the technical end of it, the engineering part of it, just to find out, you know, do we have the equipment, uh, you know, we, we do the remote uh, cast, uh, you know, be able to get lines in the football stadiums. Uh, we already had, obviously, a line in, in, uh, in the Hofstra football in the Schuert Stadium, and we had lines in the PFC. Uh, but you always, you know, you always had to make sure that the, these lines were working because you never, you know, somebody, you know, they move those stands in and out. Lines get cut all the time. So mm-hmm. that was that was a constant thing. You know, I, yeah, it, yeah that, that was pretty much it. We didn't really have a lot of sports shows. We did try to do some sports shows. So I was in charge of that, you know, sort of like a weekly update. I know some, you know, we're going to talk about some more stuff. I'll, I'll get into more of that later. But that was really mostly what I was concerned about and, and to welcome any of the new people. Uh, coming in that wanted to do sports, you know, we obviously got to, that's part of passing the torch. I knew that was my last year. I was also trying to figure out, you know, what kind of jobs I was going to get out of school. And I was also trying to see who could take over the sports department. Um, and, and, and that, those are the things that, that were like on my mind that, uh, for 1980, 81 year. It sounds like a lot to, uh, to have to handle as, as one person. And you kind of led me into the next question I had in mind. Um, who was the next sports director after you? And do you remember any of the guys who came in as, as you were a senior or, or as you were getting ready to, to graduate? Uh, I know you're going to, you were going to ask me that. I, I honestly, I think, I think Mike Harrison and Barry Lane, they were younger than me. So I'm pretty sure they took over, mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of the sports stuff. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, once, once I graduated, I just, uh, I, I'm not going to say I didn't look back, but I, I kind of just was moving forward. You know, we, right. I had already done what I wanted to do. And unfortunately, and I feel bad about it. I probably didn't, I didn't come back right away. And I don't remember who took over, but I think those two were part of that next year's crew. It wasn't until years later. I know uh, uh, Mark Ernay came in about three or four or five years after me, but I got to know Mark when he was at Hofstra. Uh, because my future wife was playing ball on the women's basketball team, and he was doing the game, so I kind of got back in touch that way. I did. I did come back to 
uh, the school and work as a public address announcer. So I, I was I was in touch to some degree uh, with some of the guys. So I got to know Mark there, and then I got to know him again professionally when he got uh, when he was working at Ten Ten Wins. So um, you know that that's the, the you know it's a, there's a lot of machinations going on, and just wanted to mention the 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 things and the responsibilities that the sports director has to deal with now is nothing. You know that that, that you know I had nothing compared to what the, these guys have to deal with today. Um, they're, they're taking on a lot more than we ever did, you know, proud to say, you know, we always talk about how, how wonderful and how incredible, uh, the station has grown. And be, what comes with that is a lot more responsibility for every department, not just the mm-hmm. sports, but the sports people have so much more to do than what I ever had to do. I'm, I'm in awe of, of what they do. And I think that's important because that really will prepare them for the real world. It's, and a lot, and we have so many professionals out now as a testament to what, uh, you know, to what Bruce Avery and Ed Ingalls has done, you know, John, uh, all these, they, they, they've prepared these kids uh, immeasurably and it's, it makes a big impact. Yeah. And your influence and Mark's influence and a number of other people as alumni who have supported uh, the station and the sports department over the years, that that's, uh, it, it can't be overstated uh, the influence you've, you've obviously uh been a very important part of uh, maintaining station history and supporting the station over the years. So you are a Hofstra Radio Hall of Famer. So uh, if, if you didn't remember, you know, who immediately succeeded you, you've certainly been involved uh, in the in the time since then. And, and we're yeah. all appreciative of that. So yeah, I, uh, I don't think that. they'd be where they are today without uh, the support of, uh, of guys like you. And like you said, Bruce and John and Ed. So uh, yeah. it's it's a, it's a long ways from there. But I, I like to think that um, if given the opportunity as an undergrad, you would have uh, been able to do some pretty special things with the technology yeah. and the resources that there are today. Well, that's true. And, and, and uh, I think, you know, some of the things I always uh, talk about, uh, part of that group, it, I don't, it wasn't necessarily my senior year. It might, I think it was my junior year, sophomore, even junior year, when Steve Silverman and Scott Cinnamon were, were on board with us. I was, I was part of that group. I always say, you know, we did a great job and somebody helped us along the way. And you talk about alums kicking in some money and I feel, I feel proud of, to do that now. I would, you know, I'm very happy to, to, to give the station whatever I can to try and help them. Uh, somebody did it for us when we were students and we were able to get, I don't even remember what it's called. Some of the technicians would probably laugh at it, but it was a, it was a, a, a mixer unit that combined a phone you, there were there were touch touch button touch tone. Uh, there was places to plug in a microphone, a headphone, maybe two two of each, mm-hmm. uh, and you were able to use that and bring that on the road. It was very convenient. It was all in one, um, and it was really cool. And somebody donated money, and and I have a picture of me holding it with uh, one of our alums that donated the money for that in 1980, uh, I think it was uh, maybe 1981. I, I can't remember. So stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you remember how people helped you out back in the day, I don't know if that came to mind when, when it was my turn to try and kick in a little something. And, um, you know, I think, I think it's important uh, to do that. If you feel, if you feel strongly about it. And, and I, I do that this, the, the Hofstra radio station was a, a huge, it was just a big, important part of my life and still is. Hmm. So obviously we're having this conversation and, and I'm sure there are tons of sports guy stories that you don't want to share, at least on, on a podcast that, you know, we could talk about in person, I'm sure. But are, is there a story that you always talk about or an event that always comes to mind when you think of your time at WVHC? 
Yeah, I always tell the story, and again, it might have been on the first interview we did uh, that first week. I, I started the story a couple of minutes ago about when I met Mark and Bruce, and they right. said, you know, if you're available on Saturday, and I did. So so Saturday, and they said, bring a bring a uh, a transistor radio with you, and we'll take you. We'll give you everything else. So they gave me like a an EV six thirty five, about a hundred foot of cord, and just a, a side note, they were putting on new astroturf on the stadium, so the football field was between. Cranford Adams Playhouse and Memorial Hall, which is probably where the station is right now. It was just a big field, and they turned it into a football field. They put up some some metal seats for 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 the for the stadium for for people to sit and watch. It wasn't much, like a high school field at best, and so it was easy. We were able to run the the the, the uh, XLR cord under the under the stands and onto the field, and there I am. First day, I'm, I have to I had to use I had to use the 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 radio to listen back to hear what they're saying and get my cues from the actual radio. They didn't have any headphones back then. So I'm listening to it on 88.7 and I'm looking up, I can see them up in the booth and like, okay, then Todd and is on the field and uh, it's halftime and Todd, you got one of the players. I said, yep, I got, I got, I got Kevin Huff with me, the running back for the flying Dutchman. And uh, Kevin, you guys are down uh, seven points. You're down to touchdown. What do you guys have to do to get back in the game? And he looks at me and he says, well, we got a we got to score more effing points on the board. And he didn't say effing. <laughs> he said the whole word. And I was like, okay, thanks, Kevin. And off he went. Before he even turned around to look up, I said, I don't, well, I didn't know anything about the FCC, but I, I, I'm pretty sure you couldn't say that on the air. Right. And I figured my career's over before it even started. I look up and they're looking at me and their hands are up in the air like, huh? What? I'm like, what? And I look down. And somehow I must have not plugged it in all the way. The XLR cord was out. They never got the interview. So they never heard anything. I'm like, oh, okay, fellas. I told them later what happened and they laughed. And I'm like, well, thank God. So my career was still alive at that point. But I, I made sure to keep the mic plugged in and always tell my my football or, or basketball guys to please watch their mouths before they, they started talking. So that's the story. I, I just it's just one it's the first thing that ever happened. Uh, at the station. I'm, there was, I'm sure there are a lot more things I've forgotten since, but that was the most important. I I, I love that story. It's not the first <laughs> time I've heard it. I yeah. will listen to that story dozens of times. And you threw in a new wrinkle there about the field. I don't think I yeah. knew that. I, I guess that's where the where the quad is now uh, between Memorial and and the Playhouse. I I, I had no idea they they played football games there. Yeah, that's yeah. There was a, it was a huge open field, and and I'm pretty sure that you know they were just. People were just taking breaks there and, and spreading out and throwing frisbees at the time that was big, uh, and they had to convert that to a football field temporarily until they got the uh, an astroturf, that real crappy hard stuff that guys were right. you know ripping up their skin and ripping up their knees from. But back then it was state of the art, and we had it in our we were, they were putting it in our our field at the time. But yeah, and after that we went back to the stadium and we did games. We had to climb through a a ladder to get up to the top of the press box. That's where we did the games. Right. So I always think, thank goodness we were pretty, pretty nimble back then. We were able to get up there. Wow. I'm going to have to now scour the internet and see if I can find a photo of the, the field as it was like that. There's gotta be a picture somewhere, some, somehow. Yeah, maybe the, the 77 yearbook. I know it was, it, well, it was, yeah, it was fall of 77. So September through, through November or December. That's when they, uh, they might've done it two years in a row. I don't know how long it took them to change the field over, but it was definitely that fall semester of 77. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so you've got stories that you always tell. Is there a story that you've kind of forgotten about that you, you remember or something that you just, just have never talked about, uh, about your time at the station? Yeah, we didn't mention this the first interview and I'll, I'll, I, 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 I thought about it and, and this is what I remember, not even sports related. So I'm sure everybody, especially the old timers remember, I don't know if they're still doing it today, but when you're at the station, you had to do a couple of different things. You, if you wanted to do sports, they wanted you to do some news. They wanted to do a little, you know, music, DJ, engineer some programs and, you know, do a little bit of everything. So for me, one of the things I did, I had to DJ an overnight or a late night show before this, before we signed off. So mm. it was probably nine to 11 or nine to midnight. And it was, you know, just playing, playing records. So I played a lot of stuff and I went out in between songs uh, or three or three or four songs. in. I, I talk about whatever I do, the weather, I do whatever, you know, announcements we had to make promos, what's going on around campus, uh, what other programs on WVHC. And I thought I was doing a good job. I was playing all different types of music. Most of what I liked, mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't really, wasn't sure. I wasn't playing any particular genre. And I got a phone call one night and I never even thought about it till years later. But the, here's what happened. I pick up the phone, WVHC, can I help you? Figuring he want, oh, I took, we took re- requests. So I thought this guy was going to tell me to play something. Yeah, play Led Zeppelin, play The Who, play The Eagles. I said, WVHC, he says, hey, you suck. And then he hung up the phone. And I stood there. The song was coming to an end. And I I, I think I had a tear running down. He said, I suck. I'm terrible. I'm never going to make it. And the song ended. I think I did a station cue, whatever. And I played songs for the next hour. I never took a break. I didn't want to go on the air again. I had very thin skin. I was a kid. I was 17, 18 years old. And some guy just told me I sucked. And then I thought about it. years later, like, I'm such a jerk. The guy was probably high. He was probably smashed or whatever. He probably wasn't even listening to the show. He just forgot to call and break my chops. And I took it so, I was like, I never wanted to do it again. I hate DJing. I told Jeff Krause, I don't want to do this. And he goes, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. So I ended up, I ended up doing a couple more shows, but I didn't talk that much. But I'd never forget that. <laughs> and the guy probably, did. he probably couldn't even could care less. He probably wasn't even listening. And he, bruised my ego so much what wow. it was fun. I, I got over it 40 years later <laughs> <laughs> after extensive therapy and you know, you know the, time the, funny is, the funny thing is it kind of prepared me because i got written up in the new york post by by phil mushnick one time that i thought was the end of my career when when he he, he said here's a knucklehead that he 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 put me in the same sentence with george michael who did the sports machine down right. in washington he said, both yeah. of these guys are bunch of knuckleheads they said this this and this and it wasn't even that bad but it was written up in the post my name at Ingalls who was my boss at the time before he way before he got to Hofstra he said no nah, there's not such, such thing as bad publicity don't worry about it It happens to all of us thank god for Ed and he got me off the ledge there for that one so I got I always tell I always tell young the young people trying to get into this business you better have a thick skin I didn't have it for a while but you, you really need to because we're in a position to be criticized and it can happen at any time, and you got to be ready for it. But uh, just wanted to double down on that on that story with with the, yeah. with the second story. But it was yeah, that was that was that was probably something. I don't talk about it too much, but sometimes I'll tell that story. I, it's not that deep of a secret, but it's yeah. it's something I don't bother with all the time. Was that early at your time? At, yeah, at yeah, that was yeah. freshman or sophomore year. We we had to do that the first year. Yeah, once I got to my junior senior, year, I think I 
we mostly did sports and concentrated on that. But yeah, in the beginning, I, I had to do all of that stuff. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it could have been anything. It could have been a fraternity prank. It could have been, sure. you know, you, you played a song that reminded the guy of his ex-girlfriend or something. Who knows? But yeah. uh, but you don't know. And especially, you know, when you're, you're in the studio and you think you're doing a good job. But um, yeah, you learn you learn how to how to take that that criticism. And, you know, let's just let's just take a moment to mention again the 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 timeline's a little bit different with with his time at, at Hofstra. But your boss was Ed Engels. Do you mind talking uh, about Ed a little bit? Because I, so many people have told me wonderful stories about Ed at his time at Hofstra. Um, I, I can't get enough of them. You got you got any good Ed stories? Well, you know, I, I met Ed through a guy named Joel Blumberg. He really got me up to the next level uh, doing, you know, covering games for him and uh, engineering for him. You know, Joel was the engineer for all the, you know, uh, a lot of the, the teams that came into town. So he let me do that. And then eventually he, I, I ended up working for Ed. Uh, at WCBS, Ed was the sports director of News Radio 88, and and he did the morning drive show and was a staple there. Everybody mm-hmm. knew him, and he was brilliant. So I met him in Freeport. I went to his house, told me what he needed. You know, uh, he goes, you can go to the games, get the sport, get the interviews after the games, and if you want, you can do a voicer or two, and and we'll we'll get it on the air. And I'm like, this is this is nuts. This is great. I was waiting for this break, and here it is. So Joel kind of handed me off to Ed and I worked with Ed. And the one thing I remember about Ed, and, and again, he was my boss. Uh, and, I, and I worked with uh, Bill Schweitzer and, and uh, Bill Daughtry uh, and, and those guys, uh, Tommy Tighe, um, Jim Hunter, all those guys with, at CBS. But Ed had, had a certain touch about him. He was, he was so easy to work with. And I've had some bosses since him. He was really my first, you know, you know, as far as being a, a sportscaster and nobody compares to Ed. He just had the Midas touch. Um, he, 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 I, I rarely saw him angry. And if he was, it wasn't at, at me or any, it was always at something else that happened that caused a problem. So I really saw him angry and, and, and he was so, and that's what I needed. I, you know, certain players need a certain type of coach, you know, in their career. That was, Ed was perfect for me. Um, you know, I, I would sometimes stay late. I wouldn't always see him. He'd get in around four or five in the morning. Uh, and I was usually wrapping up by two or three. Occasionally I'd see him. The thing with Ed and, 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 I, and guys like uh, Mike Breen and Mike Tarico, guys that all were interns with him at WCBS over the years, we all tell the same story. Ed would come in. When he went on the air, he'd have his pet Pepsi, I think it was. He'd put his Pepsi down. He had his fisherman's friend lozenge in his mouth. And, and if you ever heard of that, I don't know if they're mm-hmm. still making it. It is nasty stuff. It's mm-hmm. real strong, but it clears your sinuses. He put that, take it out of his mouth, put it on top of the Coke can, undo his belt buckle. So it was nice and relaxed. And he'd do a sports cast in the morning. And that's the way he did things. And we, everybody remembers those uh, stories of Ed. Um, and then he brought me aboard when he was doing uh, color analyst work for St. John's. He, he did that with Dave Halberstam for many years. And I, I was the remote producer for one year and, uh, we did that and spent a lot of time with that on the road. And again, just, he was always hands-on. He was great. The funny thing was his son, Kevin Ingalls, when he was old enough, knew all about the, the, the engineering aspect of this. So he would bring Kevin when he was 11 to 12 years old to Madison square garden. We'd be covering the Milrose games track and field event. Mm-hmm. And, 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 he would say, Kevin, can you, can you get set up? Todd and I are going to stay here in the, in the, uh, in the, in the garden cafeteria, you know, the press room, we get somebody to eat and we go over what we're, what we're going to talk about. 
We'd get up there, the whole thing, set, ready to go, headphones laid out properly. It was hysterical. This 11, 12-year-old kid is is doing all this. And he, you know, One thing about Ed, a slight knock on Ed was that he just wasn't very good with the equipment. And I think that's why he brought Kevin in, because Kevin was so good at it. And we all know Kevin went on to do great things at ESPN and, and be a wonderful producer, remote engineer. Yeah. And uh, just, again, sorry that it, he's not with us anymore. Miss him, miss him a lot because he was a fun kid. Um, and he did, you know, he was able to do that. My, my fun story with Ed, uh, I always talk about, we're going up to Syracuse to play the Orangemen, St. John's. And we come back home. I think it was a one, one day in, one day out. We, we land at LaGuardia. And we're about to get off the plane. We're the, we were always, the, Ed was always like, let everybody else get off. We're going to be the last ones off. We don't have to rush. We'll take our time. And that had had like a New York Mets bag that they gave us, uh, you know, during, I guess he got, he got it for Christmas from a gift. And the bag was sitting up in the uh, overhead compartment. We opened it up. I'm about to take it down for him. And as I take it down, there's nobody on the plane except me, uh, us, us two, and, and a flight attendant. And a liquid pours out of the bag onto the seat. And I'm like, whoa. And it smells. And I'm like, smells like wine. And Ed's like, oh, my God. I'm sorry. And the flight attendant, I'm sure, in his mind, is like, you got to be kidding me. You were the last one. I almost got out of here in one piece. Now he's got to get a crew in here to clean up. We re Ed reaches into the bag and pulls out grapes that might have been there for like two months that turned into wine. It turned grapes into wine. That's how incredible this man was. And we we would we didn't laugh right away because we knew the guy was pissed. We we walked out and we just laughed as we walked out of the gate. It's like I was wondering what happened to those grapes. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's craziness. He just sometimes he was a little forgetful about things. But a wonderful man. You know, I, I go see, by the way, I go, I go see Margaret as much as I can when I head back to Long Island. Uh, she's still in the same house in Freeport. She, she's got some, some issues she's dealing with, but I try to visit her all the time because the two of them and, and Diana, they just, they, they, and Kevin, just a wonderful family. They meant so much to me. Ed, Ed did so much for my career. And then he comes back to Hofstra and be, and, and becomes a mentor, uh, over there, uh, and, and does so much for my alma mater and everybody there. And that's, and that helped me come back. He kind of brought me back into the to radio station a little bit and actually a lot. I, I shouldn't say a little bit because I feel like I've, I can always do, I feel like there's always more I can do to help the station out. And I want to do more, you know, to come out and maybe talk to the kids one, one day during, during school. So, you know, those are my memories of, of Ed. He was just a super guy. Miss him to this day. He was a huge part of my foundation of my career. And then I went on to ABC and had other people I had to work for there. Not nearly as professional and 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 you know just just a, a grown up situation that I had to deal with with Ed. I mean the, the people I've I don't want to get into some of the people I've had to work for a bunch of knuckleheads. Mm. Ed just shines shines out heads and he, heads above all of them. So that's yeah. those are my memories of Ed. Thank you for for sharing those. And you mentioned so many amazing names of people that that worked for him. And then you think of all the other the students that he mentored who've gone on to great things. Um, you know, uh, in, in the sports world, in the news world. So, uh, just, just an absolute legend. And I'm so glad you took some time to talk about Kevin a little bit, because many people have mentioned working with him at the station and his technical ability. And you, you always felt like you were in good hands with him. And, uh, thank you for taking the time to, to share that story as well. It's just, that's fantastic stuff. Thank you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. I'm just, you know, glad to talk about these guys because their memories should live on.
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so in your mind, is there is there a game that you called or an event that stands out as like this is this is my time at WVHC. This is this is what it was all about. Yeah, I think the the one that the the one that pops in was is the 1980 79 80 year, which would be my junior year. Uh Scott Cinnamon and Steve Silverman and I all traveled to Los Angeles to cover the UCLA Hofstra game. This is in December of 79. Uh and um you know, that was a huge deal at the time that we got the money, we got the funds the, to, to go out there and do that game. That was a w- great trip. We, we we were only down by 12 at the half, and then they kind of blew us out in the second half. And that's why when Hofstra beat UCLA a couple of years ago, uh, you know, that was just, I was so much fun. I was listening to that while I was at ABC. I was working that night. And to, and to see them beat UCLA, we weren't able to do that 40 years ago. Uh, that game was, was tremendous. Uh, and then the same year, or maybe the next year, I don't remember exactly, but we we went to Notre Dame and we played Notre Dame in basketball. That was a trip because Notre Dame is what it is. I mean, right. it's it's a legendary school, whether you like them or not. Uh, a lot of history there, so that was special to do. And uh, and I'm I'm trying to think. You know, I'm sure there were some really good football games we did, and it, it makes me feel good only because we don't have a football team anymore, which is yeah. which is kind of sad. But um, I know we did. Uh, we played Coast Guard Academy. And I didn't know this until we got there at the time. I think that the, the the chairman or the captain or the the head of the the sports maybe it was just he was the athletic director was Otto Graham. No. Otto Graham was 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 a, a Hall of Fame NFL player, uh, who 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 was who became like a commander in the Coast Guard and also their athletic director. So he played for the Cleveland Browns and you know an NFL champion, and he we were able to talk to him at halftime. You know, I, I thought that was the neatest thing in the world to talk to him. And, and while I mentioned it, that we were able to talk to a guy named his name was last name was Kraus. Also, uh, he was the athletic director at Notre Dame, and he goes back to like Newt Rockney. So I had a chance to talk to that guy, as well as uh, Orlando Woolridge, Kelly Trapuca. Hmm. You know, they were the stars of the team at the time. And just to get back to the UCLA game, by the way, so we lose to UCLA. We traveled. We did the game on the road. Uh, Kiki Vandeway was on that team. I think Knowles, Willie Knowles. That team, the 79-80 year, they go to the national championship game and they play Louisville with Daryl, Dr. Duncanstein Griffin. And they lost to Louisville that, that in, in the championship game that year. I don't remember where they played it. But we, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. We played the eventual runner-up for the entire country, the UCLA team. And you know, you know all the stuff that they've done, you know, in the past. <laughs> You know, forty years, you know, with John Wooden and all that. So to be at uh, to be at um, uh, Pauley Pavilion and uh, you know where Bill Walton played and Kareem Jabbar and and when we got to L.A., just a quick side note, uh, Steve and and uh, and Scott, we're in a rent a car and we pull in. We're looking to find Pauley Pavilion. We couldn't find it. We're on campus, and he uh, he said, Todd, go in and go into that building there and see if you can find somebody or see if that's it. I walk in there. It's a it's a racquetball court, I think, inside this building. I walk in and I look up, and there's Will Chamberlain. I'm like, oh, oh my God, Wilt the Stelt is right there. I said, Hey, do you guys know where the Pauley Pavilion is? And one of the guys is like, Yeah, it's down there. And I'm like, Well, I'm I'm not letting this moment go. Uh, Mr. Chamberlain, can you sign this for me? Yeah, okay. Signs it. Thank you. I go back in. Steve Silverman sees the order. He goes, Well, get me one. <laughs> 
I'm not going back in there and asking him. He goes, you go back in. Well, Steve was the sports director. I had to listen to him. I go back in. I said, Mr. Chamberlain, sorry. Somebody else is asking me. Yeah, all right. And I just pissed off Will Chamberlain. Signs another one. I go and give it back to Steve. So maybe that's how I became sports director. He put in the good word for me because wow. I got him his autograph. But that was just a cool act. I mean, that was really like, like I can't believe I just ran into this guy. So um, those are those are the stories that I felt were important. You know, for me, it, being a sports guy, now the news director, the, the the music director, you know, they may have different stories, but because I'm the I was the sports guy, those were the stories that kind of defined the, the the moments there. There was a lot of them. But that was that was a pretty important one at the time. Those are those are great, and and th- those are big games and big schools. And 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 I know you know Notre Dame and UCLA. These these are schools that 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 people recognize at the time. Was it was it like one big school a year that Hofstra would get to play, or was that how common were those those games at that level? Well, you know, we look we we've been Division One for a long time, so it depends on the coach. I mean, most coaches and even Speedy Claxton now, you want to try and play, you know, maybe slightly above your, your, your conference. So you want to try and get tough teams in. So you try to schedule and they, and this has been going on for years. This is nothing new. They try, you get a, you get a game against, let's say a Notre Dame or UCLA. Now, I think it probably happened back then too. They give you money because for these schools, they know, yeah, we could beat Hofstra. That's an easy win. So you pay for it. So you give the school money to come out and play and you, and you go. Um, so, uh, I know like, and, and they do, a, they, back in the day, they had a lot of great tournaments. You can go to Maui for the, for the, for the, you know, in Hawaii, the Maui champion that you can go to Alaska. They used to have the Alaska, the great Alaska shootout, uh, all over the country. There's, there's all types of tournaments where four or five teams, six teams play. Um, we were in the carrier classic one year it was Syracuse, um, a couple other schools, uh, Illinois state was in it. I think we lost both our games, but that was another year we got to see Syracuse when they had uh, the Louie and Bowie show. Louis Orr and Roosevelt Bowie were on the team. Jim Beheim was was coaching back, well, still is, but uh, back, you know, it was early in his career. Um, and we got to see, you know, uh, we were in Manly Fieldhouse. They were just building the dome in wow. Syracuse, so they hadn't even. They were just building it when we got there in nineteen. Again, so that could have been that could have been nineteen eighty. So. Um, yeah, every year, you know, and that's why we're always hoping, hey, maybe this is the year we get to go to Hawaii or we get to go to Alaska. But, you know, we got got a couple of decent ones. There was one in Massachusetts that uh, one year that was pretty cool. There was one in Florida. Oh, yeah, we did the the Orange Bowl, but this was the basketball tournament, not the football. Mm. And we went down to Orlando. We got to go to Disney World uh, at the time. Uh, that was kind of fun. We played a couple of teams. Uh, Central Florida uh, was, in, was in one of them. Uh, I'm trying to remember the other. Stetson was in that tournament too. So yeah, I mean, those are the fun parts of this of the season early on before you got to the conference because the conference games, you know, if you want to talk about memories, I remember, you know, we had a lot of big Philly teams and the East Coast Conference. In our conference with Hofstra was Temple, St. Joe's, Drexel, Delaware, American, Bucknell, Lehigh, Lafayette. I think we had Westchester State before they bailed out. So you had a, there was a lot of games in, in Pennsylvania and down in Philadelphia. We, well, here's another one that popped in my head. We'd go to uh, the Palestra, uh, which is really the home of UPenn. That is like, like, like a cathedral for college basketball. So we had a lot of games that we did down there. Um, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking, I, 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 I talked to Mike Harrison through Facebook mostly and, and Barry Lane I've seen down in Florida. Those guys have 
great memories of a lot of stuff. So does Stephen and and, and uh, Scott Cinnamon too. You know, I, I wish I could just tap into them. Do you remember? You know, I know you've you'll talk to them or have talked to them, so they they probably have some great memories too of of the games we played. But you know, those are the some of the places we had to go to every year. You know, those were tough teams, and now look at they 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 blew up. They 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 ended up leaving to go to the Atlantic Ten or to the ACC or different different programs. Um, but they were they were good schools. We had some good games back in the day. Go to Washington D.C. for for American University. Uh, Delaware was it was kind of a long trip, so I remember doing that. I love that. Well, I'll tell you what, being the you know being on the on the sports department and then the sports director, that gave me a real love of travel. Mm. Just love traveling and seeing different places and going different places. And the fact that I was able to do that in my professional career, kind of pre- that that also helped prepare me for that a little bit. But it gave me that love to to be on the move, be on the road, go see things. Um, cause we did a lot of that in college. I think that was a great preparation. And again, they're still doing that this year. These kids are getting a lot of good, uh, experience getting on the road. Some of them haven't traveled maybe much when they were younger. Now they, they do when they get to Hofstra radio. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have spoken about that. There were certain expectations that you were representing the radio station, you were representing the university and I'm sure some shenanigans and, and some things happened here and there, and you could talk about that or not, but you're also expected to be, an adult and be a professional. There was a certain level of expectations, you know, at least while you were doing the games and prepping that you had to, you had to represent. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you, you, you know, and I, I was a, I was a young kid. I mean, that's a, that's a nice way of saying I was immature, but I was, um, and, and doing that and, and hanging out with the, with the, with the, the, the players and the coaches, uh, I think for some of us who never played on that level, you know, most of us have all played something in, in high school, maybe not. But when you get to the college level, it's different. And I always say that's why why college athletes, student athletes, they go on they, they, most of the time. The percentage is pretty high that they are successful in business when they graduate because they had that. They learned how the the, the discipline, the motivation. You know, you got to get up early. You got to work out. You got to do wind sprints. You got to do. You know, when you're not on the team. You don't really do that on your own when you're in college. I don't mm-hmm. think many people did, and certainly we didn't. But being around them, you know, you see how they act. You know, some of them were, were, were act like grownups, and some didn't. But most times, you know, you, you, you kind of rubbed off on you. Like, and, and yeah, we are representing the school. And and if you screw up, I I, I didn't. We, I think we were pretty good. I'm sure if anything bad happened, Jeff was Kraus was would 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 take us off very quickly take us off the travel list or or don't do games anymore and he has actually has done it mm-hmm. i don't think he you know he i don't remember who but there there were some people that were eventually told he didn't want on the air anymore for for something or another somebody you know did something but um yeah i think i think all of that kind of makes you know kind of grows you up quickly before you get into the real world which is only a couple of years down the road when you when you get to the school right right um these are some amazing events and trips that you've spoken about in meeting Wilt Chamberlain. I'm going to have to hear more about that. That's just, that's just amazing. But um, is there one thing that stands out as like, that's the biggest thing I did or your proudest moment at Hofstra Radio? Um, well, I think uh, I, I'll do it quickly. I mentioned already getting getting that new piece of equipment. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, mm-hmm. that, 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 uh, that remote travel broadcast uh, piece of equipment that we got. Uh, I think that was a nice step forward to try to, you know, every, everything was very simple. It was, it was the shore mixer, the 635 mic, set of headphones, and you were done. Um, 
this really took us to a next level. And I, I was really proud to, I, I, don't, I don't think I facilitated that, but I was glad to be there. I took the picture to accept it. Um, and the other one was, we were the first group. And again, I'll mention Steve and Steve Silverman and Scott Cinnamon. That year, we, Jeff told us, he goes, well, I got to tell you, I think this is the first year we, we're going to be covering every single game, home and away. So that I'm very proud of. I mean, that, to think about it, in all the years of Hofstra Sports on, on W. VHC, WRHU, even, and before that, WHCH, I think it was called mm-hmm. before then. Mm-hmm. We were the first group to do both. And I, I think I remember asking Jeff, you know, no, nobody before us, right? No, nobody, well, we, we did one or two like local games. We might have done one or two local, but we didn't do every single game. And I think from that year on, 1979 or 80, that year on when we went to UCLA and did Notre Dame and Syracuse and all the other little, you know, Pennsylvania and the Philadelphia schools, we did every game, and and that has continued. I don't think we've ever stopped doing football and basketball, well, at least football because it's yeah. not there anymore. But basketball, uh, and I think we're even they're even doing women's games, home and away. Uh, I don't know if I can take credit for that because I don't think we did all the women's games on on the road. But the men, as far as the men was men were concerned, that was the first time we did that, and and I'm very very proud to be a part of that group. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to to start a legacy. The, the handful mm-hmm. of guys that were doing that, and yourself, and now, like you said, there's there's so many of these kids, and there's a huge staff, and and they they do all kinds of games, and uh, you know, some of it's live on the radio, and some of it's over the internet. But uh, it's it's quite an impressive feat. Um, mm-hmm. I want to go back a little bit in the other direction. You mentioned this earlier with the with that hostile prank phone call you got or whatever you want to call it other <laughs> right. than that was was there ever a moment where you're like ah, i don't want to do this anymore this is this is too much work or i'm just not enjoying myself oh a moment of where i wanted to quit um yeah you know that was one of them but i think i it was just the djing i, I did want to keep doing the sports but i yeah. mean overall i mean yeah and i'm sure in the as a freshman it's very overwhelming and, and you, you see the the upper class people and they come in and they they would they just very you know do a great job and i'm like can i ever reach that level uh, you know, I had guys in front of me. I had Jim Helfgott, Steve Graziano, um, uh, Wayne Kurtzman. I mean, you know, uh, Pete, I think it was, it was Fendel, Steve Fendel. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all these guys, I, mean, I looked up to these guys. They, they, they were, they were the real deal to me. Um, Genevieve Eaton, I remember Karen Rizzo, Rasa Bobelis, you know, they, they were superstars to me, but, um, you know, eventually, you know, I, what I learned, and th- this is another thing I took with me is like, you just stay with it. You know, don't you, you, you can get down. I mean, I, we all get down on when we do stuff they, to this day, you know, you're going to do something that's going to tick you off and, and make you feel like crap. And why did I do that? And this and that, but you know what? It happens to everybody. And, uh, and I think I just stuck with it. Um, I'll tell you a quick story just really about, I mean, I was going to transfer out of Hofstra after my freshman year. Mm. Uh, my high school was literally across the street from, from Hofstra, it was the Hebrew Academy of Nassau County, and 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 I kind of just kind of gr- graduated from Hank and went right over to Hofstra. It was, it was we had a Hank Hofstra program where I did Hebrew studies in the school, but I was getting freshman, I was taking getting credit credits as a freshman the same year. So mm-hmm. my twelfth grade year, I was getting college credits. Too long to explain why, but it was a small school. That's how they worked it out. And I, and, and I got on the air already, as I told you, my first week, and I did the games from then on. And I was on the air. I was doing stuff. I was involved. I was in, in, in doing the whole thing. But uh, I felt like I wanted to get away because I'd been in that area for a long time. 
and I know, I mean, I grew up around Hofstra. I grew up in West Hempstead. You know, I know the school. I was going to, the, I was going to watch football games when I was 14 years old. My mother would drop me off. She, she'd go up to, you know, Manhasset to Miracle Mile and go to Lane Bryant and do her shopping or go to Roosevelt Field and then pick me up. Um, so I was around there a long time and I, and I found, I found Ohio University. My grades weren't great, but they would, they were accepting my grades and they had a pretty good communications program from what I, what I was reading up on. I was all set to go. My father was the one who said, yeah, you're on the air already. What's the matter? My father's from Brooklyn. I mean, I always do, do my imitation. What are you, what's the matter with you? You're already at the station. You're going, you're on the air already. Just stay, you're doing fine. Just stay there. It didn't dawn on me till years later that he probably did it because he didn't want me to leave. <laughs> he just wanted me around the house. And now I have kids and I'm feeling the same way. Like, what do you have to, you don't have to go all the way out there. Why don't you stay close to home? You know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So I ended up staying and and the rest is history, so to speak. So, uh, you know, th- you can thank my father for sticking, having me stick around Hofstra for the, for the next four years. Definitely, um, yeah. It was as close as I came to leaving. I mean, not just quitting, but, but I was going to transfer out completely. Uh, but I didn't. And I'm very, very happy I didn't. And, and likewise, we're, we're very glad that, that you, you stuck with Hofstra. Um, <laughs> in all your time there, was there, was there it, it sounds like you did an awful lot of really great stuff there. Was there anything that you wish he could have done or, or, or spent more time on at the station? Yeah. I, I and I was going to mention it earlier, but, uh, I had a feeling you were going to ask me this question. <laughs> um, uh, I wish we would have done more like sports updates, maybe, you know, short updates. What I ended up doing in my professional career, I never did that at Hofstra. I learned how to do that after I graduated I and mean, wait years after I got out. And we didn't do much of that back then. And I think we had one sports show. And I, I don't remember, I just don't remember it being real important. You know, I don't know if even if I had a lot of help doing it. I'm not going to blame it on that. But I, I just remember, you know, there wasn't a lot of thought or effort put into, into that. So maybe doing, you know, anchoring sports or news, you know, they're doing it now. The kids are yeah. learning all facets of it. And that's great. But back when we were there, there just wasn't, uh, maybe it was just wasn't a call for it. You know, we didn't have a lot of, you know, call in sports, sport talk, radio, any of that stuff. Um, didn't do a lot of that. So that's the one thing I wished we would have had back then. But like I say, I'm glad they do it now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you think back about all these events, what's the, what's something that always makes you laugh or, or gives you a big smile or what's a, a real funny thing that happened at the station? Okay. Freshman year at the end of the year, they had, we had a party, you know, the, mm-hmm. the end of year radio station party. And apparently I didn't know at the time, but they do like a tape, a funny tape they put together and they play it at the party. And I'm just a kid and I'm like, well, I'm, I just got here. I, it'd be cool if I can get on the tape, but I, I don't expect anything. So I'm leading it up to this. So put that on the side. One of the things I had to do besides DJ and did my sports is you had to engineer a program. And I engineered a Spanish show called Hispanidad Aldea. And the host name was Calixto Garcia. And Steve Graziano says, Hey, listen, you gotta got we need you gotta you gotta engineer the show this year. We don't have everybody's gotta do something, so you can do this. I said, All right. I said, Well, I don't speak Spanish. He goes, ah, don't worry about it. You know, he points to you at the you know at the end of his chat, and then you hit the break, and then you point back to him when it's the end of the commercial. I said, it can't be that hard. So every time the show opened, Calixto Garcia would say, you know, hola, this, like this is Hispanistad al dia. And I'm your host, but he'd say it in Spanish, mm-hmm. Calixto Garcia, a los controles, torrent. 
So the man on the controls, the engineer, is Todd in. So now we go to the end of the year, parties going on. Now they play the tape. Oh, they're doing all these funny things, making jokes about all the shows and stuff, and everyone's getting mentioned. I'm like, ah, that's pretty funny. All of a sudden, Steve Graziano comes on and he goes, Hispanidad al día, Calixto Garcia, en los controles. And just the fact that he mentioned my name on the on the on the joke reel made my day. I'm like, I'm in. I'm part of the group. I'm part, you know, I'm I'm in this situation. I'm I'm here. I made it. I got on the I got on the end of year, end of this end of the year reel. So that to me was was funny. I always thank Steve for that. I just saw him at the Hall of Fame uh mm-hmm. dinner we just had. I always mention that to him. I hope that puts a smile on his face. But he made my day, made my year. That's great stuff. That's great yep. stuff to be recognized yep. and and yeah. and in such a humorous way. That's fantastic. Yep. Um, Absolutely. What do you miss most about your time at the station? So uh, what I miss is, um, you know, I always I, again started to make a sports analogy. But when I, when I talk to players that are about to retire or have retired, mostly the ones that have retired, I actually. It's always they miss the locker room, the guys hanging out, and that's the same thing for me. I just miss me hanging out in the in, in the Memorial Hall office, you know, going up there and hanging out. That was my fraternity. Yeah. That's where I hung out. I hung out there. I hung out. I also did a lot, I did stuff at uh, HTV. So I'd hang out down there. I'd go up and down, up and down Memorial Hall uh, to the top level to the radio station, down to TV at the bottom, and that's where I made all my friends, and a lot of them I'm still in touch with today. Um, that's, that's, yeah, that's it. Uh, I mean, I do, I do miss the people the most, uh, when I think back. Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. hypothetical situation. You get a call from John Mullen. We need you to come in and call a basketball game next Friday night. Are you going to do it? I'll be there. Yeah. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah. Now that I think of it, and I got a little more time now. So, uh, yeah, if they ever need help and I, I need, a, I need some notice because whenever I, I'm in Jersey now and whenever I travel to Long Island, I'm, I, this is just a side note. I mean, yeah. it's, it's two hours. It used to be an hour 15, then it went to an hour and a half. And now, you know, I'd have to leave at midnight to, to get under, under two hours. It just takes forever. And it's mostly the cross Bronx expressway and the cross Island parkway that kills me. But anyway, that um, I digress. I would love to, you know, I'd love to go back and help out any way I can uh, with the guy doing games, especially doing games. Oh, I would love to do that. Oh man. Um, if you could go back in time and give some advice to 18 year old Todd, just, just a, just a quick thing, not like, you know, buy Apple stock or something like that. If you could just give <laughs> one little piece of advice, what, what would you say? Yeah, very simply. I've thought about this all my life. You know, I always say, well, do I have regrets? Oh, you know, you should go out without any regrets. Bull, bull crap. I got plenty of regrets. <laughs> and one of them is I was just a kid. I was immature. I would say, grow up, you know, pay more attention, do, you know, take this more seriously, um, you know, I got on, as I said, I got on the first week I walked into that station and I thought I was hot stuff to, I don't think I showed it to anybody, but I know in myself, like I was taking the radio classes and whenever they said, oh, who's taken, who, who's been on the radio yet? And I was like, I was, I've been on the radio. I'm a, I'm a, I'm already a, a guy. I'm already a, you know, big stud already, big star. Like who the hell did they think I was? You know, pay more attention, listen, don't talk so much. You're not big time. You're not even close and and grow up and 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 pay more attention and study. I think that's I think those are if if I heard that now, if I heard that back then from myself now telling my my young self, I don't even know if I would still listen. Maybe yeah. I maybe I'd 
catch up a little bit, but uh, that that's that's what I tell myself if I could go back in time. Yeah, that's that's always the follow up question: is would would you have listened? And most people say, "Nah, I probably wouldn't have." Uh, probably. It's good, well, it's, good, yeah. it's good advice for for anyone who's willing to listen. I think. Uh, well, if there's somebody out there that thinks that they've got the same issues, you know, maybe it might it might jolt them a little bit. You know, like all right, maybe maybe this guy was like me back then, and you know, he didn't make it. You know, he he managed to have a career out of it. So you know, I could do the same thing. You know, if that if that if that hits a nerve for somebody, then great. I'm glad to help out in that way. So you, you've kind of alluded to to some of your professional career in in radio already, but uh, I'm just curious: Are there particular things uh, that you brought with you throughout your career that you learned at Hofstra Radio? Well, just the the first things you learn is you you know when you're in high school, it just it's stuff like this just doesn't connect. When you're in college and then you join, you you have a, a group uh, or, or a department that you join or something that you, and if you're lucky like me, like I knew I wanted to do this. So I really, that's the one good thing I did. I knew this is what I wanted to do. And I kind of focused myself on that. I didn't know, like I said, may not have paid attention all the time. I didn't always get the grades the way I wanted, mm-hmm. but this is what I wanted to do. And you learn to work with people. It's not a one person job. Uh, the technical skills I've still used to this day. I mean, the, the equipment's changed. Mm-hmm. We're not doing we're not doing you know grease pencils and tape and and a razor blade anymore. I mean, it's unbelievable what what we've we've we're doing right now. That's the good thing. All the all the uh, digital editing is just phenomenal. I look back like imagine what I could have gotten done back then. Um, but even just the basic skills, we used that for years, and we didn't get digital for for a couple of decades. So all the stuff I I learned as far as setting up. A, a play-by-play uh, table, getting ready for a game. I used that for years uh, after I left uh, uh, Hofstra Radio. The technical skills that we use that in the real world. I made friends for life. Um, uh, you know I, I, that I still, I still, I'm still in touch with. They were, they were, we were all like-minded people. You know what the weird thing was? And I don't know. It's not weird, but I, I ended up making friends. We got like we didn't do a, we didn't do drugs. We didn't drink a lot. We just hung out. We laughed. We went to stand up. A lot of the stand up uh, comedy places in in on Long Island in this city. Just a lot of laughter. Just a lot of fun. That was my fraternity. You know, we didn't mm-hmm. need a Greek name. Our our name was uh, Hofstra Radio, the WVHC HTV. Um, all of that is the stuff, and that's also part of the stuff that I miss. But. Um, you know, these are all the things you you learn in school. I mean, and, and when you get to the real world, there are other things professionally that you learn that you just uh, wasn't even a topic when you were in college, but now you got to learn it. And that happens with any profession. I think you're going to learn different things that you just never were prepared for. It's part of the, part of the process. It's kind of a fun thing in a way, uh, to learn some new stuff. But, um, you know, we went over a lot of that. I think, I think I was, I was prepared, but not like our guys, our, our our men and women are today at Hofstra Radio. When they leave, they're ready to get a job. And 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 now the way it is, back in the day, back in the eighties, you couldn't get a network job if you had to have at least five years' experience, radio or TV. Now they're hiring people right out of school because they're they're young, they're cheap, and they're good at what they do right off the bat. Most of them can pick things up very quickly at ABC Radio. Um, our young desk assistants walk in. You sit down. You got to edit. You you got to set up programs. You got to do technical things. I don't even do. They're already ahead of the game on all that stuff. And the, and there's there's a lot they put on their plate because that's the way the business is going. 
Yeah. They're, they're getting rid of a lot of the old timers. They're getting rid of people that make too much money. They're bringing in the young kids. They're lining, loading them up with, with, uh, with, with jobs and things to do that a lot of the older people, quite frankly, don't want to do. It's too much. We're used to doing one or two things and that's it. Some of them have learned to do more because they had to, but these young kids and especially a Hofstra, I know that we know we have, we have a lot of kids from Fordham come in, some from Syracuse, Ithaca, but Hofstra radio, our guys, I know when we, uh, they're always prepared and ready to go. And that's again, testament to, to John Mullen, Bruce and Ed, and, and, and all that tradition is going to continue, even though Bruce and Ed are not with us any longer. Um, John, John has, has, I'm sure he'll tell you himself. He's, he's gotten a, a stuff he learned on his own, but a lot of the tools he learned from Ed and Bruce and taking that to the next level. And that's, that's what we have to do to, to keep this going. I mean, it, it's, you know, I'll, I'll say it again, the, 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 the Marconi awards, just the, the, uh, the knowledge that these kids get, the fact that people know Hofstra radio across the country is, mm-hmm. is, is just phenomenal. And it's all because of the, the dedication and the hard work of these guys. And I was, and I was able to get it. I'm sorry. You know what? And I'm not mentioning Jeff Krause cause Jeff was really a one man band back in the day. So yeah. Jeff Krause did all of that, you know, as much as he could, you know, up until he passed and then he handed it off to Sue Zizza. I'm sorry. I didn't mention Sue, uh, extremely, you know, she, she's, she's on the, 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 you know, she's a hall of famer, but, yeah. but she, she, she's also should be on the Mount Rushmore of Hofstra radio because she's done so much you know, when she was a student and then teaching kids and getting the next generation prepared. Sorry, Sue, I, I, I kind of lapsed there for a minute, but she was also it's just a huge part of this, this whole thing. And especially when I was there, she was there when I, she was uh, just a couple of years ahead of me and, and she was very helpful. She was doing audio drama back, back at Hofstra yeah. radio. She's doing that right now still. So, um, yeah, all of that, it, it's, uh, it's just a wonderful thing. I'm just glad to be a part of that fraternity, uh, and to call myself uh, a Hofstra radio alum. And uh, I will do what I can to try and help out in the next bunch of years. I, I'm glad you made the call back to to Jeff and and the the conditions. You know, you, you you talked a little bit about you know securing phone lines and the things that you know the technical requirements of of when you were an undergrad and and you do the best with what you have at the time. And and Jeff did the best with the budget and the resources he had. And you make an amazing thing. And then it's not fair to compare the different eras, but it's always a a fun hypothetical. Well, if you had this equipment or if you were there now as an undergrad, like what would you do? Look at it. So like I said, I I said, you know, we, we, with under the, under Jeff's rule uh, and tutelage, you know, we, we covered every, every home and away game, right? Okay. So that was one step. Go, go ahead a couple of years later, maybe a couple of decades later, now they're they're going to we, we first of all we got we had a couple of presidential debates in our school mm-hmm. so that was an easy one that's an easy one to do but they're 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 doing um, you know Democratic and Republican you know the, the primaries and they're doing uh, the they're doing the conventions and they're going out and doing that and I don't think we ever thought we could do that years ago so that's you see how they're taking it to the next level and doing more and more and more and traveling more for news uh, and getting news coverage and that's why these kids are getting so much. Uh, experience because they're actually getting out and, and knocking elbows with the professionals. That's important. That's another, that's another thing you talk about, you know, I wish we would have done. I'm sorry. I'm just remembering it now, but mm. you know, we didn't cover professional games and we just didn't think we'd cover, we'd, we'd, we'd go interview the Islanders and during practice, that was about it. We never went to the city. Fordham had that advantage. They took guys down. They were covering games as a professional years later. I'm seeing all these WFUV kids. I'm like, how do these guys get credentials? Why couldn't we do that back in the day? Uh, we're, we're doing, and, and we're doing the Islander games. Guy, my God, my brain's not working. 
how about that? Having Islander games on our radio station is just phenomenal. Um, so that, yeah, you talk about the progression, you know, and, and what, what we didn't do back then, but what we're doing now, that's, especially in the sports end, that's my comparison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, like, like you said, the, the, the legacy starts with, with Jeff Krause and, and all the guys that, that learned under him and all the things that Sue did and Bruce, and it all builds up over time. And, uh, mm-hmm. exactly. uh I, I'm, I'm just so thrilled to, to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much. You are so important to, uh, the history of Hofstra Radio and your continued uh, participation in, in all the alumni events and station events. I, I, I know that everyone uh, appreciates your effort and your time and, and your stories. And uh, I'm just, again, just so thrilled to, to have this conversation. So uh, thank you. And I look forward to seeing you at the next event. Yeah, let's do that. I appreciate it. I, 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 hope, I, uh, I hope we entertained a few people for this one. <laughs> no doubt. No yeah. doubt. This was great. Thank you. It. No, no, anytime.